podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Hey, uh, time is very, very short, and I feel like I've got a lot of assignments to hit in the spirit today. So I want to just go very quickly to John chapter 11, and I want to pray for two groups of people. I want to pray for all the dads, and then I want to pray for anybody who resonates, whether you are a dad or not, whether you are male or female. I want want you to stand up, and I want to pray for you here. John chapter 11, verse 38. And then we're going to get into our word this morning as a part two of last week's word on being filled and being full. Somebody say, I'm full. Amen. We are created to be full. So John chapter 11, verse 38 says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus said, take away the stone. For those of you guys who are unaware of what's happening right here in the passage, one of Jesus's very good friends, a man by the name of Lazarus has died and he has been dead for three days. And he is here behind this tomb. Maybe it's even four days, my bad, four days. So now he's, Jesus is showing up. He gets wind of this and he's moved. And one of the words that came forward this morning in our time of pre-service prayer, by the way, we are praying And we are creating a hot house of prayer every morning at 9.15 on Sundays. So come join us if you want to pray with us or even if you just want to catch some fire. Just sit in there, man. Just sit underneath those prayers and just let those prayers soak over you. But there was a word that came forward today and it said that, that everything that Christ did was moved. He was moved by the Father's heart and he was moved by compassion. And here in this situation, Jesus is... He's not doing anything out of this sense of obligation. He's not just functioning or performing tasks. He's being moved and carried by the heart of God. And so he shows up and he's moved by the heart of God. Verse 39, he says, take away the stone. He says, but Lord, said Martha, I'm really resisting to preach. I can't preach this. I gotta just, I gotta activate this and pray for this so I can preach what I've been called to preach this morning. So take away the stone, he said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because dead people stink, right? The stench of death is in the atmosphere after four days. And some of us have been living in the stench of death and we've been living in it so much and so long that we've just become familiar with the stench of death. The stench of despair, the stench of disappointment, the stench of broken dreams, broken promises, the stench of mediocrity, the stench of lethargy, compromise, impurity, addiction, bondage. We just, we just, after a while, you know that, you know that your nose just becomes conditioned to whatever environment that you're in. You know that, right? You just become conditioned to it. And unless you step into another environment and unless you inhale another fragrance, you won't even know that there's anything else out there besides this. Some of you have been living in death so long, you don't even know what life smells like. And I'm here today to call you out of death to life. I'm here to tell you today there's a different fragrance There is a different atmosphere that you have been created to live in and to enjoy. There's a different fragrance you're called to carry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is after some of you guys today. I'm trying to awaken somebody by the spirit of the living God today. Verse 40, Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and he said, Father, in other words, the guy, the situation that Lazarus in was essentially as good. I mean, it was done. The seal, the stone was put away and everyone was going on with their own lives. And there were two sisters that said, we just can't keep going on. We've, we've got to cry out to God to do something in this situation. And when everything else fails, cry out to God. When everything else fails, find a prayer partner. When everything else fails, touch and agree and, 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 and just call on the heart of God. Verse 42, he says, I knew that, oh, verse 41. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, come out. He spoke to the man in the middle of his situation. He spoke to him. Remember this morning we talked about, we have to learn how to speak to our own hearts. We have to learn how to speak the life of God, the power of God, the word of God, the will of God, the wisdom of God. We need to learn how to release that and partner with that and speak that. It's not enough just to believe it. It's not enough just to keep it right here. You've got to, you've got to engage with that thing. And Jesus says, Lazarus, he spoke to him, come out, come, come forward, come forward, come out, come out of this tomb. And I'm just saying this to, to a lot of men this morning because I feel like what happens is as dads and as men and as husbands, sometimes particularly in the culture that we're in, I think the culture can create almost a kind of tomb for us. The culture can create a kind of tomb for us. And again, we can just be, we can just be comfortable in the tomb of kind of the dumb, lazy, unengaged, disengaged man. And we just sit in that. And Jesus says, come out of that. You have to participate with the word. And then once he came out of that, listen, that guy was mummified. That joker was wrapped up in grave clothes. He was, he was and those clothes stank. But here's what Jesus says. All of you who have been with me, the community of faith around this man, now come and approach him. Are you kidding me? And wait a minute, oh Jesus, this is a really good time to remind you of the law because isn't there something about touching dead things because we can't touch dead things and become unclean. Jesus says, go and approach the dead thing that is now alive. Hey, you're not touching a dead thing because he's alive. Because that which was once dead, I have spoken to and I have released a resurrection life into. Now go and touch it and take the grave clothes off. Take that identity off. You're not dead anymore, Lazarus. Take those clothes off of you. Take that mindset off of you. Take that belief system off of you. Yes, I know that at one point you struggled with that, but that's not who you are. You're a new creation in Christ. Come out of that. Take those clothes off. That's not who you are. You're not a dead man anymore. Stop going back to the tomb. Stop visiting there. Ain't, no, ain't nothing there for you. There's nothing there at the tomb for you. Unless you plan on taking life and raising some other people up from the dead, there's nothing there for you. Leave that environment. Leave that atmosphere, leave that stench and take the grave clothes off. And I just feel like I need to pray that over the men in the house and also anybody else, again, male, female, you say, would you, pastor, would you pray that over me? So just stand up if you would this morning. All the men, all, all, the, all the men, all the men. And then anyone else, ladies too, if you're like, that's me, I'm there. I've been in a grave and I need to get out of this. I need someone to agree with me. 
And if you're just near someone, if you're sitting, you can lay hands on someone. If you're standing, you can lay hands on someone. Tanya, stand up, sweetie. Come on, stand up, girl. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray right now for my brothers and my sisters. Father God, I pray right now for a holy compassion to well up inside of every single one of us. And God, I pray that if any of us have sensed that we have been in a season or maybe are still right now in a season of death or in a season, Father God, where things are stagnant, a season of lethargy, a season of sleeping, a season of brokenness, a season of despair. Father, if any of us in this room are in a season where we just don't care, a season of indifference, Father, right now I'm asking and I, I, am, I am asking you to do what only you can do. And I'm asking for the voice of God, the voice of Jesus to echo within the chambers of our heart. I am asking right now, God, that your spirit right now would breathe upon every single person that is in this room and those that are standing, all of our men, our sons, our brothers, our husbands, our fathers, our leaders, our elders, Father, all of the women that are standing and even those that are not, I'm asking right now in this house, in this place, in this holy prophetic moment that the voice of God would be released and that you would say, come out, come out in the name of Jesus, come out, come out, come out, come out of the stench of that environment, come out of that mindset, come out of that rut, come out of that passivity, Come out of that laissez-faire. Come out of that compromise. Come out in the name of Jesus and take the grave clothes off. Take the mindsets and the habits and the patterns and the identity. Take that off of you right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm even praying that the unholy things, there are good elements of grief, but Lord, there are unholy elements of grief, God. And I'm praying that even an unholy sorrow, an unholy grief would come off of us right now. I'm praying, God, that we would take the grave clothes of bitterness off of us. The grave clothes of pornography would come off of us. The grave clothes of addiction would come off of us. In the name of Jesus, the grave clothes of that orphan heart and that orphan mind and that orphan spirit would come off of us. God, as we, as we yoke ourselves to the word of God and as we stay in community, I'm praying that grave clothes would come off of us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So Father, we call every man out of the tomb of death. We call every man out of the tomb of just blending in. We call every man out of the tomb of the culture, what the culture has placed on us. And God, we say that we are not going to be what the culture says that we're supposed to be. Father, we're gonna be engaged. We're gonna be warriors. We're gonna be involved. We're gonna be connected. We're gonna be sensitive. We're gonna be caring. We're gonna be full of the life of God. And I pray that over every man in this house and I pray that over all that are standing today by the power of your spirit come out in Jesus name in Jesus name now just receive it see I receive that in Jesus name amen 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 come on yeah clap your hands guys clap your hands that's good <laughs> hallelujah hey I've got 20 minutes to, to drop some some atomic bombs on you real quick in the spirit so are you ready Okay, last week, we, on Pentecost Sunday, talked about Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And we just talked about this idea of being a people that are filled. And then we went to Jesus in Luke chapter four and we identified that both in Luke three and in Luke four, there were four unique dynamics that were taking place there. Jesus received the spirit. 
right? Then number two, Jesus was full of the spirit. In the beginning of Luke chapter four, he was, let, y'all ain't taking notes in this house. He was led, say led, by the spirit. And then he merged in the power of the spirit. Now, don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you want that life? Okay, for the one person that's raising their hand and agreeing, Sue, I'm gonna preach to you all Sunday. I declare in Jesus' name, you will receive, you will be full of, you will be led by, and you will walk out in the power of the Spirit because nobody else wants it. That's okay, because I got a word for all of y'all who just sitting there. I got a word. And I'm not joking. I'm, honestly, the other night, we took our kids up to, uh, up to the mountain because we had some of our students join Church for All Nations in our annual youth camp. How many of you kids were at that youth camp? Awesome, Josiah and, and, and Britton. Awesome. Yeah, and just powerhouse. And during worship, man, the Lord was downloading some, some junk to me in a good way. There's, there's like a negative junk, but he was downloading some junk, like some good stuff. And I'm gonna share some of that with you. Okay, so that was last week. And I said that today would be a part two. And in 18 minutes, I want you to jot this down. Number one, you are a carrier. See, I'm a carrier. So for all of you guys who are hyper-biblical, listen, I'm gonna get to the scriptures in a second, okay? Say, I'm a carrier. Write it down. I am a carrier. You are a carrier. You were created to carry something. And you will carry something. And the question is, obviously what? What will you carry? You will carry life or you'll carry death. You'll carry forgiveness or you'll carry resentment. You'll carry joy or you'll carry despondency. You'll carry peace that passes all understanding or you'll carry confusion and fear. You are a carrier of something. And everywhere you go, you bring with you what you carry. Okay? I've got to race through this so I can get to the Bible. Number two, you will give what you carry or you will lose what you carry. That's for later. That's for later. Write it down. Pray into it. Thursday, you're going to go, <gasps> you will give what you carry or you will lose it. In other words, there is an intentionality that is around what has been put inside of you by God. And I, I could take you throughout the entirety of the scriptures and I can show you that we're either going to be intentional to give what God has given to us, or if we hold on to it, we will lose it. Life will steal it. You have to protect what God's given to you. You have to guard Paul said this to Timothy. He says, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. There are things that have been, I'm getting so prophetic right here, guys. Y'all just need to learn how to just tap into that because there are things that have been given to you and they have been entrusted to you. And everything that I'm gonna say today, there is a general dynamic to what I'm talking about, but there is a specific. And you gotta hear what I'm saying today, both generally saying every single one of us have been given something in God. We have been given new life. We've been given salvation. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given the fullness of the Spirit. But there are specific things that God has given to you that he's not given to anybody else. Paul said this in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy. He says, Timothy, stir up the good gifts that have been given to you through the laying on of hands. Stir it up. What does that mean? It means watch over it. It means tend to it like a fire. 
It means take care of it. It means tend to it. It means pay attention to it. It means protect it. It means nurture it. It means develop it. It means harness it. It means make it the very best that you can make it because it's a gift that God's given to you and your gift is what you do with that to give back to God and to the world. Matthew chapter 25, we see that there are three people as he talks about giving gifts. One person had five, one person had three, one person had one. But at the end of all of those, Jesus said, I'm gonna make a demand on the things I've given to you. I have given you something specific and I am, I am tasking you and I'm requiring you to watch over that good thing that I've given to you and to steward it so that that which I give you becomes more fruitful for the kingdom. That is the economy of the kingdom that we receive. Everything that we have has been given by God and we receive it. Say, I receive it. And then once we receive it, we've got to develop it. We've got to cultivate it. We've got to steward it. We've got to take care of it. We've got to protect it. We've got to grow. And then we give it back to the world. And then God is glorified as it comes back to him. So listen, you will either give what you carry or you will lose what you carry. Bitterness will take it. Sin will take it. Hebrews chapter 12, one and two. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us cast off every hindrance that so easily entangles. Life is trying to steal what God has given to you. Because that's the nature of the enemy. He's a liar and he's a thief. He's a liar and he's a thief. And most of the time he steals by lying. So he's trying to steal that good thing that God has given to you and you've got to watch over it. The first command that was in the garden was in Genesis chapter two. And God says, I'm putting you in the garden. Now watch over the garden, protect it. Watch over this field. I could be mistaken because I've not looked at this in a while, but I want to say that before God even said, don't eat of this, he said, watch over this. Somebody fact check me on that. I know you'll do it, Ian. (laughs) Watch over this. See, we get so caught up in what I can't do. And he's saying, listen, I have given you all of this field to steward, protect it because there's something good inside of it. And we're just so worried on the one thing we can't have. Get your eyes off the thing you can't have and look at the entirety of the field that you can have and protect this field. Number three, others need what you carry. Sam, there are boys that are in this house that need what you carry, son. They need it. I'm telling you, man, you have a gentleness and a strength and a grace and a relatability and a humor and a wisdom and a love. And I, my son needs what you carry. He needs it. I'm calling you guys out from now on. I am. I took a break. I'm back. Others need what you carry. If I had time, I would walk you literally through every gospel and I would show you that everywhere Jesus went, why is it in Matthew chapter eight, verse one, fact check it. Why is it in Matthew chapter eight, verse one, Jesus is walking and there is a man with leprosy and he comes to Jesus and he throws himself at his feet and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? 
Why is it in Luke chapter eight, when Jesus is on his way to go heal a little girl who's dead, why is it that there is this lady with an issue of blood that she struggled with all her life and went from doctor to doctor to doctor and no one could do anything about it. And the scripture says in Luke chapter eight that the crowds were pressing in on Jesus and somehow she found her way. I mean, what does that look like to touch the hem of his garment? Does that mean that in this throng of people that she got down on her knees and went between legs just so she could stretch out and reach the hem of his garment because there was something he was carrying and she sensed it and she needed it. See, we're so caught up in five minute devotionals just so that we can check things off. You need to get in the presence of God, not so that you can feel better about your spirituality. You need to get in the word, not just so that you can uh, win arguments. You need to get in the word because someone needs what you carry. Because there's a revelation of an understanding of the kingdom that is literally going to set somebody free. I remember, I remember this months ago, Christy and I met with this lady and she came to us and she said, she said, I've been, I've been battling these migraine headaches for years. She says, I can't even function. And we began talking with her and says, and we just asked her a question. We said, do you, do, you know how to, do you know how to take authority over these things? And she looked at me like I was speaking in a different language. I went, my God, my God, I've been learning. How, I've been understanding my authority as a believer for 30 years of my life. And I'm carrying something that somebody needs. You guys all know the story when I went to Indonesia. When I was 17 years old in Indonesia and in the bathroom of a planet Hollywood, there was a young boy there who was a Muslim. And the Lord said, speak to that boy. And I talked to him and I said, do you know who Jesus is? And Sans Franz right there in planet Hollywood said, I've never heard him. I've never heard of this name. Who is this? You are carrying something that somebody needs. You have an answer to someone else's prayers. Number four, others will make demands on what you carry. Others will make demands on what you carry. I was riding back a few days ago with my brother-in-law and I was sharing with him this unique thing that God is doing in my life again. And Todd said, you know, when you go to another level, you may not even realize that you've gone to another level, but the people around you, they can sense it. You may even know, you don't even know what you're carrying. And, and others may not even be able to consciously articulate what it is that they're, they're sensing, but there is, a, there, is a, there is a spirit connection. And they're saying, I don't know what this is, but I, I, need, I need this. And they will ask and they'll say, listen, 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 listen. When people are asking to spend time with you, when people are asking to connect with you, when people are asking to take you out to coffee, it's because they're, they're sensing something. Even if they can't put it into words, they're sensing something that you're carrying. And we've got to know, we've got to say, God, what is it that I'm carrying? We've got to be conscious about this. We've got to be conscious about this so we can be purposeful about this because I want to be able to give with intention that thing that I'm carrying. I am learning that I carry something. What I carry looks different than what Pastor Jonathan carries. And it's not better, it's just different. I think I, some of you guys may not have known this, but Pastor Jonathan is such a brilliant teacher that the first time he taught, I was so mesmerized that I thought, I need, to, I need to learn how to teach like that. I was like, I need to learn how to teach like that. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried. I read commentaries and I listen to N.T. Wright podcasts and I come back up and I was like, I can't teach like that. 
And the Lord says, because I'm not called you to teach like that, son. I've called you to set a fire in people's bones. Are you hearing me? There's something that I carry that this house needs. It's not better then because we need what Pastor Jonathan carries. Are you hearing me today? Others will make demands on what you carry. And you have to know whether or not you're called. You have to know whether or not you're called to give on an intentional, systematic level. You gotta know whether or not you're called to give that to them. Christy and I were talking about discipleship the other day and I was telling her, I was like, I was just wrestling with this thing because in the past, I've had negative experiences or bad experiences or broken experiences with, with reaching out to guys and saying, hey, I feel like the Lord has called me to mentor you or disciple you. And Christy and I were just talking about this dynamic and we almost made these ungodly covenants that said, I'm never gonna pursue anybody again. And I'm only gonna wait for someone to, to make a demand on it. And I said, babe, I'm just wrestling with this because nowhere in the scriptures do I see this. Everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was initiating. Jesus saw Peter and he called Peter. He saw John and James, he called them. Everywhere Jesus went, he was calling. He called Matthew, the tax collector. He called some people, they didn't respond, but Jesus sent out a call. And then it just dawned on me, sometimes we don't even know what it is that there is to respond to. Let me say this another way. Sometimes I, t I told Chrissy in Romans chapter 10, you know, the scripture says, how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? So we have to even know that we need someone to mentor us or disciple us or father us or mother us. We don't even know that we need that. But I'm here to tell you today, you need it. And I'm here to just awaken that inside of you. I'm awakening that inside. The Spirit of God, I'm praying that the Spirit of God awaken that inside of you. You need other people around your life to speak to you. And you have to give them permission to say things that are difficult. You've got to give somebody permission to say things in your life that are hard. Because here, listen, if you don't give somebody permission to say the hard things, and I'm not saying they've got to be ugly about it. But if you don't give somebody the permission to say hard things, you're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay stuck in that tomb. And you're not called to stay stuck in that tomb. You're called to live full of the life of God. This might be a three-part series. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number five. Number five. You cannot give what you do not have. Can't do it. It's impossible. And it don't matter how much shucking and jiving you do, don't matter how much, you know, all the, sh all the shenanigans in the spirit you roll through, if you ain't carrying nothing, it's empty. It's empty. And you, you may go through the form, but it's empty. You may not remember this story, but in the Old Testament, there's a story where the children of Israel lost the ark. They lost the ark to the Philistines. It's in 1 Samuel. I believe it's in chapter 6. Don't fact check that, Ian. I gotta go check that myself. All right, I'm, I'm nervous about that one. But it's in 1 Samuel, in the entirety of the book. Read all of 1 Samuel, you'll find out it's true. And the children of Israel lose the ark. And they lose the ark because of mediocrity and passivity and indifference and because they assumed that because they had the form of something that they also possessed the power of it. The ark represented the presence of God. And they're like, oh, we have the ark. So we can keep living in sin, the sons of the priests were manipulating and conniving the women that were coming to bring their offerings. They were seducing them and they're like, this is fine. You know why? Because we have the ark. We have the ark. 
That would be like me saying, oh, I know how to preach. I don't have to pray. I don't have to live holy. I can have all these demons in my closet. I don't have to be consecrated and pure and holy because I know how to pray. I know how to do this. I've done this. I've done this for 25 years of my life. I know how to do this. But listen, if you don't have, if you don't have holiness, you can't impart holiness. If you don't have spiritual authority and power, it doesn't matter how loud you raise your voice. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter. You, you could play the right songs. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You've got to carry that. And I'm here to tell you today, it's purchased. It's not free. It is free because Jesus gave his life, but what it requires for us to receive that which God has given to us, it will cost you everything. It's expensive. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 25, write that down in your notes. There's virgins, chapters one, verses one through 12. Jesus says, hey, the kingdom is like 10 virgins, five virgins were full, man. They had their lamps that were trimmed and they had, they had another canister of oil that was full. And why was that, why was that a canister full of oil? Because they were ready and they were watching and they were awake. They were watchful and they were awake. They knew there was a purpose. They knew there was an assignment and they were set on that. And there were other virgins, the Bible calls them foolish. You know what that means? It means they squandered their time. It means they were indifferent. It means they were sleeping. It means they were oblivious. It means they were unaware. It means they were passive. They couldn't care. And all of a sudden the bridegroom came back. And you know what happened? The people who had no oil came to the people who were putting it in, faithfully putting it in, praying when everybody else was sleeping, studying the scriptures and everybody else was watching Netflix, right? They were putting it in. And then those people who had nothing said, hey, can you give me what you've purchased? Can you give me what you've required? And listen, here's the thing. I can't give that to you. I can't give that to you. I can't give you 4 a.m. prayer meetings. You gotta purchase that. I can't give you 5 a.m. prayer meetings. You gotta purchase that. You've gotta purchase that. You've gotta say, God, stir that inside of me. I can't give you my anointing. You've gotta purchase that. You've gotta purchase that. You've gotta put the time in. You understand what I'm saying this morning? I don't even know what point I'm on, but I think that was a good one. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. You guys remember that story, the seven sons of Sceva? Remember that? Seven sons of Sceva and X. There's these sons that were rolling around. <laughs> and these guys are like, hey, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, right? They were trying to operate an authority they didn't carry. And the enemy knows whether or not you're legit. He knows. You may be able to fool some people, but you can't fool God or the enemy. So be careful, all you spiritual warfare people that are rolling around trying to use words like decrees and tearing down. You're gonna get yourself in trouble because you gotta carry that. And the way that you carry that is you gotta purchase that. Ain't nothing glamorous about trying to roll around doing strategic spiritual warfare if you ain't carrying something inside of you. All you are is a little kid that's dressed up in a big armor suit and you're gonna get slaughtered. You gotta carry something. Because the devil said, hey, Paul, I know. Because he's weighty. He is heavy in authority. And of course, Jesus, I know. But who are you? And turned and kicked, stripped. Okay, we ain't gonna get all graphic and whatnot. Number six. In the kingdom, being filled is an active participation. Being filled is an active participant. It is not passive. 
Okay, so here's the word that I heard at youth camp. Man, can somebody turn the AC on here? Because I don't know about you, but I'm on fire. Thanks, Vlad. No, like literally, literally, not in the spirit. Not in the, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. Okay, look, this is the word that the Lord gave me, I believe, at youth camp. Because you guys, here's what was happening. We're at youth camp, and um, Pastor Tiffany over at Church for All Nations, man, she was prophesying, and she was speaking words of value and identity over these kids. And I saw some kids just sitting back there, like every youth group. They're full, not, I just, no, not every, not our youth group in Jesus' name. But they're sitting, they're sitting back there, folding their arms, looking at their phone, and man, it just hit me. And the Lord's been speaking this to me over and over again the past few weeks. You have to learn how to receive. Man, I could, I could line these tables up and just buffet this mug, just straight up, like good food, man. And you could sit there and look at the food. You could smell the food. Your hunger could be awakened by that food. But until you come up and until you lay a hold of that food, it don't do a thing for you. I could put money down here. I know y'all brought up here for money. I guarantee you, I, I, I was thinking about doing this. But then there'd probably be a lawsuit on my hand because somebody get hurt. But I was thinking about putting a, just a $100 bill and say, hey, the first one up here, come get this. Man, y'all be bowing each other tripping each other, acting ungodly. Why is that? Because, because as long as a $100 bill is in my hand or on this table, it doesn't do a thing for you. You have to take a hold of it. And how many messages do you sit in where there is kingdom life and kingdom principles and kingdom treasures and you just sit back and you know what? You leave and it's still here. Don't tell me I preached a good, oh, well, hey, thank you so much. But listen, <laughs> don't tell me I preached a good word if you didn't receive it. Because you know what, I know I preach a good word. <laughs> Christy's like, you were doing great until that point. <laughs> Just then, the anointing lifted. Now you gotta go get filled again. I'm being humorous, but here's, what, here's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't, I don't really care if I preach a good word. I care about you receiving what God has called you to receive. And you will stay an infant. You will stay spiritually immature. If you don't learn how to say, I take a hold of that, I possess that, that's mine. That, so here's, here's what we're gonna do. Every service after I'm done preaching, I'm just gonna say, I need y'all to say, I receive that. You just need to say, I receive that. You need to lay a hold of it. You need to possess it. Are you with me this morning? All right, last, last word. And then I'll go to one scripture. Jonathan, come on up. Being filled is an intentional and continual act. It is intentional and it is continual. Are you hearing me this morning? It is not haphazard. It is not passive. It doesn't just happen. You have to put yourself in the right environments and that takes a choice. Man, 23 men were here on Wednesday morning. They were putting themselves in an environment to get full. You have to engage. You have to listen to the right things. Right? If I talk, I'd bump into some people and they'll give me every stat known to man from baseball teams to, I mean, I'm, they're going back to like coaches. Like, oh, you know what college they came from, don't you? I was like, no, I don't know what, co I don't care what college he came from. I care about what God says. You bump into some people, they can tell you every stat, year, make, model, and it just creates, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm just thinking, dude, if I had that ability, I would be so full of God's word that you'd bump into me and a scripture would just pop out of me. 
Man, I'm serious. I want that. Not to be religious or weird, but I just, I want to be so full of that. But you got to be filled up every day. You got to be filled up every day. Okay, we do this in the natural. You bring your water bottle, you drink it, and it's empty. And what do you got to do? You got to fill it up. So simple. And then we go into the spirit and we make it all weird. Don't be weird. Okay? Man, get in God's presence. Get in God's word and say, God, fill me. Fill me. Come on up here, Jonathan, and rescue me. Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians chapter five. Look with me at verse 15. Caitlin, you've done a marvelous job. Thank you, sweetie. Ephesians five, verse 15. Ready? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do you know that word filled in the Greek? It's one of these things called an active verb. You know what that means? It means the word actually means be filled and keep being filled over and over and over and over. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a youth camp deal. It's not a mission trip deal. It's not a Sunday service. It is a, I'm going to get filled and I'm going to give it out. And I'm going to get filled and I'm going to give it out. And I'm going to get filled and I'm going to give it out. And I'm going to get filled and I'm going to just keep being filled. Stand with me to your feet this morning. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus says, or John says of Jesus on the last and greatest day of the feast, that Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Just pause. The great irony here is that this is at the end of a feast. Jesus stands up in front of those in Jerusalem who had come. And this is the last day of a multiple day feast. And Jesus says, if you're thirsty or if you're hungry, come to me. And I think what, what we see here is that you can be in a feast and around a feast and unless, as Pastor Jade has just said, unless you receive, you will still be hungry and you will still be thirsty. That you can come into a service like this and without receiving of Christ, you can leave just as dry as you came. That is possible. And my prayer is that as we come forward and receive of these elements this morning, that we would truly encounter Christ that we may not be fully aware of all of the things that he is doing and addressing in and through us as we come. But what we believe as a charismatic people is that Jesus is present to us by his spirit in these elements as we come forward. And as we confess that he is the living Christ, he will encounter us and be to us exactly what each and every one of us need today. So I would pray over these elements. Holy Spirit, would you encounter us? Would you make Jesus present to us and make our eyes open to you and to one another? And God, in the ways that you are wanting to fill us, in the ways that you are wanting to make us aware of the gifts that you have given to us for the world, God, we ask that you would open our eyes as we come today. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.